Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike in a moment, as we bring to you another Oscar Sprint Profile. And with the season being changed into December, and it's Christmas time, it's the holiday season, it actually, for once, at least for me, is beginning to feel a lot like an Oscar season, as we bring you the OSP of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, recently debuting on Netflix. Michael, that's the uh, movie we are covering and breaking down today. I am really excited to hear your thoughts on this one, Mike, because it has been a, a rough season for you. Like you've you've <laughs> yes, been disappointed <laughs> often, and I think we got a pretty strong movie today. Yeah, to review, and it's 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 exciting to have something that really fills out the Oscar card really well mm-hmm. with uh, good performances, good production values. Going to show up at a screenplay written by a legendary playwright. I mean, it's it, this is a fun movie to get after. It's and it's loaded with themes and major questions for the Oscar race which we'll have in spoilers and non-spoilers so this is going to be fun the perfect movie for two 30 something year old white guys to break down yeah absolutely With no musical talent or right musical <laughs> vocabulary by the way of course too. of course so uh we're reviewing we're actually on the heels of a back-to-back watch it's actually we've had a couple good uh contender movies yeah. in a row we were lucky enough to see pieces of a woman which we will no doubt break down and talk about at a later date but this mm-hmm. was the second of kind of a, a, a two-day double feature for us and yeah i'm with you i think this is a, a quality picture and it's a, it's going to be something that litters the oscar card and with good reason uh if you've not joined us before for an oscar sprint profile breakdown what we do here is we take would be should be and, and probably will be contenders and uh we give them the oscar lens treatment we talk about you know how they will stack up against the field we talk about their themes we talk about their plot and we break them all all down in two halves you get a non-spoiler review for the first half of all these osps and then you get a spoiler warning followed by a spoiler filled review that'll be the second half of this episode so if you've not seen the movie yet don't worry we're not going to spoil anything for you in the first half of this review we can start talking about ma rainey's black bottom with non-spoilers right now mike yeah, it is, of course, an adaptation of the August Wilson play of the same name uh, based on the early 19th century mother of blues, Ma Rainey, and a uh, Chicago recording session eight years prior to her retirement, Michael. So this is based on a, a real-life figure, and August Wilson researched the heck out of her life and career, and this is his fifth play in a career that spanned from uh, 1973 to 2005, Mike. And Ma Rainey became Wilson's first award-winning play, which kind of broke him through with the Tonys and the Pulitzers to where Fences could win both of those awards in 1987. So this put him on the map. And Fences, uh, as any Oscar pundit and any Oscar awards junkie knows, that was a movie that was adapted to its own film a couple years ago. Denzel Washington played Troy Maxton, and mm-hmm. who we think should have won the Oscar uh, in 2016's film adaptation, again, in keeping the same name, called Fences. Denzel is the producer of Ma Rainey as well, and he wanted famed director of stage and screen George C. Wolfe in the big chair for this one. And Wolfe has directed a ton of uh, successful plays on Broadway and elsewhere. Angels in America, I believe the sequel to that play. Anyway, The Normal Heart, which became an HBO original movie, Emmy winner, uh, and a whole bunch of big-name musicals are on his theatrical resume. As for Wolf's filmography, this is his sixth feature film, uh, which includes a TV adaptation of Lackawanna Blues and uh, what we reviewed a couple years ago, the Oprah showcase in the Mm -hmm. life of Henrietta Lacks, Michael, that HBO original movie sat well with us. 
Uh, we're going to praise the screenwriter, cast, and crew of Ma Rainey throughout this non-spoiler section coming up. But we're not the only one praising this movie, Mike. Uh, 88 Metascore, mm-hmm. uh, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes right now on a on a lot of reviews, 184 reviews. The audience scores are early, but 7.3 on IMDb, 78% on RT there. So let's get rolling on this one, Mike. A lot to talk about. Start with the plot premise. Chicago, 1927. Uh, a recording session. Tensions Can rise. you read all of these in that voice? <laughs> Just Chicago. a Larry King. Baruka Falls. <laughs> we have a recording session. Tension, tensions, if I could speak properly, rise between Ma Rainey, her ambitious horn player, and the white management determined okay. to control the uncontrollable mother of blues based on Pulitzer Prize winner August Wilson's play. Okay, so... I'm very curious to know about your expectations on this one, Mike. I know None. I've been kind of well, I've been kind of teasing you for a while that it was strong. Well, how'd you go into it? We reviewed the trailer recently on an Oscar race checkpoint episode, and I was hopeful then because having not seen anything kind of grab my attention, and it's only gotten worse as the film year has gone on, at least for me. But I was hopeful that you know maybe this one can live up to the heights that the trailer had given to me and that maybe this one can kind of take hold of award season and be a little come from behind contender in the best picture race. I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know that best pictures in this thing's future, but like we said, I mean, it it definitely was a worthy watch and something I'll probably revisit. And uh, if I had, if I went in with any expectations, I think they were met if not exceeded. Well, that's good. So a movie finally delivered for yeah. you on the year. Yeah, that is a landmark achievement. <laughs> thank you, Viola Davis, Denzel Washington. Thank you, George C. Wolf. Everybody yeah. involved. I want to thank uh, the Academy. <laughs> Mike, you have been like the most depressing sack of not. Oh, it's been awful. Like, because every movie has let you down up to it's this point. So I don't know bad. why. I don't, I don't know if it's my fault. It's probably a lot my fault. But I'm, no, I'm, well, you're not the one making these. I don't think so. No, but I, I don't know. Am I teasing you the wrong way? I, I take it every all on myself. I'm the oldest <laughs> child of five, and I blame myself. Anyway, I, I saw this movie in theaters a couple weeks back, back when I was in, you know, full of antibodies, uh, coming off of COVID, and feel like right. I'm invincible, which you lectured me in the pre-show. I'm probably yeah, not. You know, it's an interesting mindset. Yeah, I'm probably not invincible. Probably got it. But I've been careful, but I, anyway, I saw this in theaters. It is cinematic as all hell. And I hope that people will get to watch this on bigger and bigger screens as the months go along. Obviously, it's playing on Netflix. I'm glad that we can rewatch this movie as much as we are. I will say that I came away from the, you know, the theatrical viewing, liking it a lot, strong like, and now I'm loving these rewatches. Mm. Like this movie is, it's a clean 90 minutes, but it really delivers. And I've added points to my grade. Good, good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And uh, I've rewatched segments in preparation uh, for the review here today. I just got through my first watch with it last night. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely worthwhile. I mean, we always talk about at the end of the non-spoiler section whether something is a watch or don't watch. I'm just excited to say watch because like you said, I mean, I've been kind of let down thus far by the uh, supposed contenders of 2020. I think this is a, a very, very good one with All good right. reason. Well, good. Let's dive in. We got some script thoughts, uh, overall composition, direction, uh, commentary here, Mike. I uh, I love these theatrical adaptations when they're done well. And uh, I had a lot of confidence in George C. Wolf coming in, Denzel Washington as a producer. It just it just felt like a project that was going to work, even if it wasn't great. Mm. I knew it was going to be good. August Wilson sets some unbelievably high standards, but 
you know, the, these guys have delivered on adaptations before, especially with Denzel and Fences. So this just felt like it was going to work with this cast. I, I think when you you go into the to the screenwriter and the the guy who adapted the play, Ruben Santiago Hudson, it's interesting to learn that he's a that guy, Mike. He's a mm. that guy actor. I mean, he's not a screenwriter. The only time he's penned anything that I know of uh, for for a film, anyway, uh, on IMDb is uh, Wolf's Lackawanna Blues TV mm. movie, right? So RSH, I mean, he's a that guy actor from uh, you know, and shout out to the rewatchables there. But he's from Billions, a couple seasons of Billions. He his main TV show, fifty nine episodes of Castle. Do you remember Castle? I do remember Castle. Yeah. 2000 Shaft, uh, The Devil's Advocate of 1997. I remember him from those two movies. Otherwise, I mean, he's he just got that face that you recognize. But he's he's in everything and he's everywhere. He's that guy. <laughs> he's that guy. Uh, and a good adaptation this is, too. I will say, while I, like you, I do enjoy the theatrical, the theater plays that get find themselves on screen and the adaptations thereof. To me, and while this one is vividly reminiscent of Fences in a lot of its pacing and in a lot of its settings, mm-hmm. this was the most obvious uh, theatrical adaptation to me because you okay. really only have two settings. It seemed like I was watching this on a stage that just had different areas of the stage lit throughout the, the play. And it's quick. I mean, you're like 86, 96 minutes and you're in and out of this one, even though there's a tons of tons of themes and subtext and everything stuffed into that short of a time. I feel like it, this is just nonstop narrative momentum. And mm-hmm. I love movies, especially plays that are able to accomplish such a fast breakneck pace uh, especially when it's not an action movie right i mean you're right. you're accustomed to getting in and out of tv episodes like you know whatever that we watch it that are, i just watched the mandalorian non-stop i hit breakneck speed love it but this is you know th- these are fighting with words scenes i mean these are arguments where whenever two characters get in a room i mean we just have constant conflict even with smiles Mm. on their face they're going at each other and small insults snowball into huge fights Mm -hmm. Uh, no slight is forgotten i mean you have egos flexing and flaring but you also have all the history for why that is and it's and it's just so based in not only the history of the culture of the black experience in America and, and that horror story, that backstory that is just it loaded with subtext and and callbacks throughout. And, uh, you know, you learn a lot. You learn a lot of horrible, you know, stories that uh, yeah. you wish never existed. But, I mean, the fact that they he uses that as ammunition for the exposition, the fact that he, you know, brings these characters in and they – they talk about beef that they had coming into these scenarios and the gambling debts they have with one another. And it seems like they're continuing arguments that they've had. They're continuing, you know, yeah. these struggles that they've had with one another. And it's, yeah, so it's not just about ego, you know what I'm saying? No, there's definitely a chemistry and a familiarity, and the casting of this was impeccably done, I do think. And we're going to talk about the individual performances in a minute. Because there is such a, a tightness to the script and because it is such a relatively short movie, I think there are some, there's one in particular I'm thinking of, there's there, there's an exposition dump or two that you kind of have to sell yourself into it's happening. I don't. I think it comes off as a little unnatural in the way it's presented, but yeah, overall, I'm with you. I agree. I, it, feel, it feels like, all right, this is the soliloquy in the right. theater and right. this is your big, exactly. your big moment on the stage. I get that. I get that in the transfer from the stage to the screen, maybe they left a little more stage involved. Right. Uh, even though 
I do think it colors a lot of the, the fights going on Agreed. here. And they're fights Agreed. for survival. And, and you also have Ma Rainey being a real historical figure uh, in, in a entertainment industry that is just being exploited by oh, yeah. dangerous men on the executive level, by dangerous uh, fans. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Uh, it's 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 a different world. Everybody's at war out there in the 1920s. And it's not something that's gone away either. I no. mean, there there are themes of that that still exist to this day, obviously. But the the dangers are in your own corner. I mean, there are two characters in this, Irvin and Sturdivant, and they're supposed to be supporting Ma Rainey, helping her as an artist, and they're doing anything but. Like they every little thing she's got to fight for that she wants, every right. bit of artistic uh, control or input that right. she wants to put into this and she has to fight them tooth and nail and i just think this history uh, this script has so much history built into it not, and not just the history between you know the the characters but the history of black americans in this country that it's just it's fascinating it's fascinating to study it's fascinating to hear this entire ensemble talk about it and th these are such brilliant people i encourage everybody to watch coleman domingo and denzel washington and george c wolf watch that 31 minute making of ma rainey on netflix you will just be riveted to hear them kind of co you know color in all the lines here with with the backstory of Ma Rainey of August Wilson. Mm. It, it's a great watch on Netflix too. Don't trust the manager if you're in any position in the entertainment industry. <laughs> That's why I'm going to be the MMO manager myself. Very good. And Michael will inevitably not trust me. That's how this That's is going right. to fall out. And this is already planting the seeds for the inevitable split up between us. But I'm glad we got this covered in an early episode. So it's on tape now. Yes, it's on tape and uh, for. <laughs> foreshadowing just like ma rainey did foreshadowing future fights knockdown drag out arguments michael but before we get into the performances uh, of this we, we got to talk production values because i i think this movie is cinematic as all get up like i said at the beginning i want to start deceivingly so yeah. deceivingly so i think because again I, like you're not you're not leaving two rooms true but again if you watch this editing right you mm -hmm. watch how the camera's swirling around, low angle, high angle. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's a strong hand. It really uh, is. On the editing, on the cinematography, you got this crane swoop down in the exterior Yeah, the of camera the does move all over in this. I, I, you definitely notice that, even on your first watch. You, you, this camera is all over the place. The production design of the, uh, the tent show uh, going through the credits and the history montage mm. of the cultural migration north the northern migration there in the in the 20s all the way to Ma Rainey's you know the second half of that song that she's starting to sing in the big city theater and on the big stage with all the dancers I, I thought that was one of the best opening sequences of a movie not just this year but in the last couple I like the history. I mean, I agree with you. And they, they do little unique takes to show you the, the history that seeped into this movie. And it's not even history in terms that Ma Rainey was a real person. And this is based on, you know, actual people. But like even the, the, the scene where Sturdivant is checking to see how a record is made back in the 1920s. That yeah. was so cool. Loved I it. thought. Loved that was, it. I mean, that's that's nothing I've ever seen before, ever thought of. But I'm like, oh my god, they're actually doing this. I don't know if that's the actual technology, and they actually like refurbished it or have it true to life or whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, again, movies aren't historical documents, or they don't like necessarily are a mirror to history. But nonetheless, that's nothing I've ever seen. I thought that was really, really uh, innovative and something I unique. 
I think uh, I am technology averse usually, <laughs> and you are, thank God, more uh, savvy in that regard. But slightly, let's just say, sure. Let's just say you and I would not have uh, a radio program, an audio no. program back in the 1920s <laughs> if we had to deal with that setup. So yeah, I, I was fascinated as well doing what we're doing now, looking back at what they did then. Right. Uh, I, I do want to call out the production design. Uh, I, I'm really impressed with Mark Ricker, Karen O'Hara, Diana Stroughton designing the sets. And, and I think the street with the white light of the sun, everything is, is, is like orange. And you get that panoramic view that it blends perfectly well together. And that's that's hard to do. We've seen some big but Look, I, I have issues with Mulan this year. I'm really mm. upset that everybody's putting that movie out. Like, this is great production design. Right. Even though I thought production design was stronger. But it looked so obviously CGI. This mm-hmm. is blended. This is blended together. It's authentic looking. The costumes are... are completely authentic and i think i think the costumes they're first on clayton davis uh, clayton davis's list right now in variety makeup and hair is first on his list as well those other three that i mentioned cinematography editing and production design they're a little further back 7th 13th 13th but i do think i mean this movie really excels in the design categories in terms of these production values but uh i, I wouldn't begrudge it nominees elsewhere either Makeup and hair, it should win just based on Viola Davis alone. It's a like horse a, hair wig. Uh, it's unbelievable. She really does look spectacular. And they uh, did the research. She had that kind of makeup yeah. at all of these uh, big venues. She wanted it. It fit with the blues. It also ran on her throughout the performance. It, to turn and Viola it into Davis goop. is unrecognizable. I mean, she's completely unrecognizable for one of the most recognizable actresses we have, That's especially in the Oscar circles. I mean, she's Oscar bait every time she's on screen. And just uh, it looks like even the way she's acting, which I guess goes more to performances, she's so into this character. They weren't going to necessarily make her have the gold teeth. And she just mm-hmm. had to have the gold teeth. Like, she couldn't do the character. I think it works. Without, I think that's yeah. special, too. Yeah, I love I, it. I think that's definitely memorable. But, I would wonder what the cost was to rent. Like, just, I understand production design. They had to make a lot of these things. They had to rent all the old-looking cars for the two shots that are on the street. They had to get a lot of the old furniture to, to house in the uh, studio and all that in the basement. But just, like, this might be the cheapest location scout picking out a building to shoot this movie in ever like to rent that building had to be like eight hundred dollars i hope there's just nothing there it's two (laughs) vacant halls well yeah but then again like i said the the tent and then the uh the big uh theater piece and blending the exteriors like yeah i I probably agree with you like the exteriors are lavish but the uh the interiors are are simple and, and i think that says something about like this apparatus, this industry where they're they're taking these stars who are going to make them hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they're basically putting them in like a, a just this awful room with a couple of stools, and they're like, "Play, we'll yeah. and we'll pay you a, a, a small fraction." So next time you you hear about a a musician who's got a writer that includes only green M&Ms or he's not going to show up, well, maybe you take it a little easier on him next time. Yeah, it's definitely a power. It's a power struggle. (laughs) Absolutely. And you don't begrudge her any of it. Uh, Sound design. I did want to point out one negative. I know it's 15th uh, on on, uh, the variety list right now. But like Bohemian Rhapsody, Mike, the lip syncing and she's winning the lip sync battle, you know, of the year. No question, maybe of the decade, if not uh, Rami Malek there. 
the lip sync doesn't line up a few times and yep, I noticed that it was maddening in mm-hmm. all, you know, every watch for me. It's, I don't know if that's Agreed. an editing snafu or a sound design snafu, but it bothered the hell out of me. Also for a movie that's based in a music, a musical world, you're literally recording an album. Yeah. I wasn't ever blown. I mean, the song is nice, but you only really get one full performance of a song. You only get a couple snippets of instruments being played yeah. for, you know, 30 seconds at a time. I expected more from sound from the, from something like this. Three or four songs in the entire movie. But it, yeah, the songs break up the <laughs> the arguments. My God, these right. scenes, these are just electric scenes. Uh, let's get into the performances now. Chadwick Boseman, he is the lead, and I saw somebody divvy up the screen time the other day, and I think he was the leader at 44 minutes by at least 15 minutes as to having the most screen time in the film. You have a, a theory that you're going to explain about yeah. Chadwick Boseman in spoilers. Can you tease that at all? What did you think of the Levy performance? Uh, make no mistake, it's Oscars worthy, especially in this year. Mm-hmm. I just have... I think we started to see why in the last couple days. I wonder if it's going to come to fruition, but it would not surprise me if Chadwick Boseman ends up winning an Oscar because of this performance for a different performance. Right. And uh, that had just happened at a at, in New York yep. <laughs> with the critics yep. there. It just adds to the gut-wrenching tragedy that is his death, though. Especially knowing how sick he was. And he, I mean, he does look frail he does We've seen chadwick boseman all over the spectrum he knowing what we know about him now and how he was able to keep this secret for so long is just bewildering especially in today's hollywood but nonetheless knowing we how sick he was and we know that now i can't help but think this wasn't him going for a character and how skinny he was he just he, he looks i just want to hold him i just want to hug him I and mean, he yeah. looks sick but he's acting his ass off like he always did but he's had this career as such a movie star, from Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, the T'Challa, of course, if I can speak. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the best movie stars on the planet, one of the, the biggest box office draws on the planet, as we've seen the last few years. And it's just, it hurts me as an Oscars mm-hmm. pundit that this was going to be his Oscars breakout performance regardless. I mean, this, like you said, this performance is on the level. We studied these things every single year. I'm not going to lie to you. I was a little worried going in because obviously there is a lot of good feeling, good intentions from the punditry and you don't begrudge them that, but you're wondering if you can trust the punditry when they say that this is an Oscar level performance or if it's just all that good feeling or if it's some kind of mixture of both. I'm so glad to see that. Look, I mean, this is a contending performance in every year. I mean, he's doing yep. everything here, and it's it's like the successful Oscar grab or, or the successful pivot in an illustrious career. Where I mean, Chadwick learned to play the trumpet for this role. He is singing, he is dancing, he is soliloquizing. Soliloquizing? Can I say that word? <laughs> Nailed it. Screaming, crying, <laughs> yelling, glaring, charming, romancing. He's everything. In this movie, he has got such range. The versatility is incredible, almost to a fault. And, and like you said, the few scenes where it gets a little, he almost does too much, I would say, as my only you know nitpick. Yeah. But I think almost every character in this story goes toe-to-toe with him. And he he's not just stealing scenes, but he, he's, he's the engine that drives these scenes. He... He's so good in this, and Denzel was so good in Fences. I wonder what it's going to take for people who are in search of Oscars to just seek out the next stage adaptation movie. You right. know? I mean, there just seems to be such a easy transition between 
a, a dramatic play, a dramatic stage play with a lot of soliloquies to soliloquizing to steal a word from you almost versus having that done on film. And it just lends itself so easily to Oscar punditry and Oscar critics like us. I mean, it's easy to, for us to rave about them because there's so many chances for them to just go through the range of emotions that are what we look for in typical Oscar performances anyway. I think it's going to be hard to parse through the this category as the year goes along, but I'm glad that we have some heavy-hitting performances. I mean, Riz Ahmed yeah. was incredible in Sound of Metal. Delroy Lindo wowed us from the first yeah. watch of The Five Bloods. Gary Oldman was incredible, in my opinion. I think he's being slept on a little bit, even though he probably doesn't win because he just won, right? But mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think Chadwick Boseman deserves to be in that top tier right yeah, along the, the sides of these guys. And we haven't seen Anthony, Anthony Hopkins yet. You would think that's going to be the five, even though there's a lot of other names involved. Uh, at least that that's, you know, it feels like we got at least five worthy nominees, let's just say. And I'm going to say the same thing about lead actress in a second. I mean, I have my issues with this film year as well, Mike, but both of these lead categories are loaded and ha- very happily so. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I, I'm happy to see that as even and especially in the type of year that 2020 has been. I don't know if you want to pivot now to actress and talk about Viola's performance, but for everything that Chadwick did well, I think Viola was right there too, and she is taking no BS from any. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a strong, fierce character. It's her most powerful character yet. I mean, she's part Queen Anne from The Favorite, but she's yeah. also part like. <laughs> The rest of Queen, right? The rest of Queen and Bohemian Rap? No, I think <laughs> she, she's like a king. I mean, who who's played a great king? I mean, Anthony Hopkins is, hasn't had the power from the throne that she, you know, wields in this movie. My goodness, is she just kicking ass from yeah. start to finish. And you understand. Through her exposition, you understand through how complex and round of a character she is with abounding flaws. I mean, this this is not this is not August Wilson saying, all right, here's just this unequivocal hero or this unequivocal character who got here just on on goodness alone. No, she is taking people down. She is cutthroat. She's got issues and with her romantic life. That is an unhealthy relationship to, that she has with Taylor Page and the Emma Stone-like character there in, in Dusty yeah, May. Dusty I, May yeah. But this is, a, I mean, there's just a bad power dynamic there. But this is one muscle flex scene after another. And when she's going toe-to-toe with Irvin and Sturdivant, when she's going toe-to-toe with Cutler, obviously it builds up to her and Levy. Mike, God, it's another special performance uh, in this movie. She's so, I mean, we would call this character woke if they were around in 2020. She is somebody that has, like, the big brain, the mega brain going. She's yeah. just in tune with everything, all the exploitation. She knows the the dirtiness and the sleaziness of the business she's in. She knows she has the upper hand, and she's going to use the upper hand and the trump card ad nauseum because she has to in order to get treated the way she demands to be treated, the way anyone should want to be treated. And she's all about her music, too. And and the, everything you just said plays into her perception and her celebration of her own music, of the genre of music here in the blues. And again, we're not music critics, but how she describes the blues as her expression of feeling and how... Uh, opposed she is to Chadwick Boseman's character's rendition of her song, of her, yeah. uh, you know, she doesn't want a dance hall version 
of her song that is obviously the title of this movie that is obviously also a clear metaphor for depression and oppression and rock bottom as much as it is you know a, a dance move right mm. and even though it got t- got twisted into a dance move and to listen to George C Wolf talk about Bessie and talk about the relationship between Ma and Bessie and their and, and their history together and how Bessie was taking a lot of fans from Ma Rainey at this point in her career and how she's on the back nine uh, in, in her tour and in her career and the, the industry's changing so much. So she's fighting everybody She and she's sticking to her guns as, as a character, as an artist. And yet at the same time, I mean, the way you call somebody's bluff is you have to actually believe in your heart you don't need them. That's the only way they actually will believe you. And she the whole time is like, I don't need this shit. I'll go back to my tour down south. I don't even want to be up here. And it's so believable. Like, at the, you know, everything you just said is true. This is a woman who's on the decline in her career. She's having her fans stolen from her. She's being exploited to no use. You know she needs this money. And yet at the same time, she's acting like she doesn't need any of this, right. and you believe her. And the, It's really beautiful. And it just speaks to the times. It speaks to that industry. It speaks oh, yeah. to the cultural oppression. It For speaks, sure. I mean, the fact that she has to make a stand over a bottle of Coca-Cola is mm-hmm. absurd. It's just like you said, green M&Ms. Give them the green M&Ms. Right. That's the least you could fucking do, right. you know, people in charge. Uh The lead actress category right now, though, Michael, is loaded, like we said, we're both very high on Frances McDormand from Nomadland. Yep. Obviously now Viola Davis is in that top tier as well. We sung the praises of Michelle Pfeiffer for P- French Exit. We think she should be much more highly rated than yeah, she is. Yeah, it's not mainstream enough, and it's getting me frustrated. Vanessa Kirby, though, we just saw her, mm-hmm. and I think that is a peak of her powers performance. I feel like I that is just so skilled of a performance I, I where it's agree. just it has everything. From versatility to the big physical scenes to the big white knuckle scenes, the white knuckling to the to the poise and the oh my god, I, I I'm so in awe of her talent. And you get that same kind of brooding here from Viola Davis. You get multiple versions of the best actress performances we've seen in the past. And I get frustrated when a performance that is more one note tends to win. We're enriched, Mike, by yeah. so many performances that are just all over the spectrum. I, mean, I would probably say Michelle Pfeiffer, the least of, of these, because she's kind probably. of more yeah. – and she, she's more even keel. But yep. the, the these last two in Kirby and Davis, my goodness, do they go for it. And we've always talked about Al Pacino's quote there, if you can, uh, if you can hit the notes, sing loud. Well, they can hit the notes, and they, these are loud performances, but they work. And I think what's going to help – both their causes take the argument of Francis McDormand just one and that'll work against her anyway aside but the the uh, Vanessa Kirby performance and then the Viola Davis performance are both much more relatable and easy to relate to yeah. uh, especially amongst the Academy and people that are actually in the entertainment industry when talking about uh, the Ma Rainey performance here and Viola Davis so I think those actually as much of a front runner as Francis McDormand may be right now I think I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day if Frances McDormand finishes third out of those three because she's won two already. I, yeah, I don't think she's a front runner at all. I think Viola Davis and uh, Vanessa Kirby should be right and there. And Viola Davis, we all wanted to have this unforgettable performance from her in uh, Widows, Widows yeah. a couple years ago. <laughs> we did, and we didn't get it. Yeah, 
I mean, she was good so, in Widows. She wasn't she was, the yeah, problem but, with that. Right, movie. exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying she was bad, but she wasn't this. She wasn't this. This is incredible. This is so right. much. This is through the makeup, through through it all. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. mean Gary Oldman's got nothing on Viola Davis and, and how okay. she commands a scene, commands a room. Uh, we're, we're anxious to get our hands on the Carrie Mulligan performance. Meryl Streep is excellent in The Prom. She's one of the best things about The Prom. I'm not a huge fan of that film. It didn't quite work for me. It's preaching to the choir. It's a lot of truth and goodness into the world, but fine. I wish, you know, I wish it was a little deeper. Sydney Flanagan's been winning some critics awards lately. I wonder I would love that. Yeah, I wonder if for never really sometimes always Sydney Flanagan is that cool pick or that don't, you know, she's that don't forget me pick right. from the critics associations where they're taking a stand and saying, "Hey, she should still be in the conversation too." And that's not my words. I mean, it's, uh, Ann Thompson and, and Eric Cohn just kind of talked about it on IndieWire there. Otherwise, Andre Day this can still come in as Billie Holiday, go figure, who's, you know, not a contemporary, obviously, but, you know, a uh, a descendant of the Ma Rainey's and of the mm-hmm. uh, Bessie Smiths there uh, in terms of her career. So this is going to be a, an incredible actress race. It is. And it, it's glad I'm happy to see it. We not so much last year, per se, but in the two years prior to last year, we kind of had a hell of a fight in the Best Actress performance. Mm-hmm. Best Actress, we might be in a bit of a golden age here in the last decade or so with some of the classes of Best Actress we've had, and I'm happy to see in this film year, with all that we've had taken away from us, we're still going to get a top-of-the-line, you know, yes. just a sword fight at the top of the category for Best Actress once again. It is going to be awesome. Maybe not a sword fight necessarily, or I don't want to use that for an actor category because that's uh, it's strange and perverse. Mike, <laughs> the supporting actor battle... It feels like it's between 20 actors at this point. I feel like mm-hmm. that category is 20 deep of the same tier performance. Now, I kind of agree with the Academy Queens about the tier right now and, and how I rate the category. But l- let me be honest with you. I think some people are being slept on in this category. And Coleman Domingo and Glenn Turman, why are their performances not ranked right up there with the Mark Rylances, right up there with the Sasha Baron Cohens and the uh, the, uh, the Leslie Odom Jr., who, who's the leader in the category for me right now. But Coleman Domingo, with a smile on his face, is eating so much shit in this movie, and then he fires back at Chadwick Boseman. And Glenn Turman, with the wide eyes and what he says with so little movement, sometimes in his face before he gets a couple of his showcase scenes like to me those guys are both top 10 right now and i have coleman domingo in my five do you think we're getting too used to category fraud for the supporting categories overall well that's true for domingo in this because he's got this sneaky screen time number that was like second in the movie even over viola davis where he's in most of the movie and I would say, uh, if I was to pick a uh, a bigger contender, the biggest contender for the supporting category from this movie, it would be Coleman Domingo. And he is the one that kind of jumps off the screen most. But Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Mahershala Ali, Green Book, these are guys that have had tons of screen time, steal scenes. They're basically main characters in the movie. I don't think Coleman Domingo is. I think Mark Rylance is right. and that's why I asked the question. I wonder if we're kind of getting used to the idea. You can go back to Mahershala again for Moonlight, uh, Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. I wonder if we're just used to supporting actor now being the other main character. Yeah, and I wonder if that's going to work in the favor because, of course, the more screen time you have, you're go- or the more scenes that you have to yourself, you're going to be able to display display more of a an emotional range, and you can have more dialogue and more interactions with the main characters. 
I just I wonder if that's going to work against him or in the alternative, if everything good Coleman Domingo does in this movie is going to be attributed to Viola Davis's character or Chadwick's performance right. in one of those type of ultimate things. foil. There's no question about right. it. But that's where he shines. I mean, he's such an assist man in mm-hmm. this. And I, I love them. I, I, and when he gets his chance to, to really go off in this movie, it's all there. Like, And yet, then you look at him in an interview and you're like, oh, my God, this guy is like an Oxford professor. I mean, he's a brilliant. Yeah. He's so articulate. And he keeps saying the same word over and over again. He's got the musician's vocabulary. No offense. But he's got he's got a limited vocabulary in this movie, even though he's he's very uh, he's very wise, let's say. But I mean, he is a, br- a brilliant actor to, to tr- I mean, c- be a chameleon like that. I just think. Yeah. I think Coleman Domingo's being slept on. I think we he should be right in the conversation with the tops of this category. So I wanted to take a minute to talk about him. Anybody else in the ensemble that you were really impressed with, Mike, or we go on to wrap up this Oscar lens here? No, we can. I, I just wanted to add on at the end there a little addendum for Coleman Domingo. We thought he was overlooked in Beale Street, too, a couple of years yeah. ago. So, I mean, this isn't the first time that this would happen to him. I think these are just, even if he doesn't get recognized, even if he doesn't get officially nominated for this performance, we're getting to a point here where the guy is just so good every time he's on screen. I think it's going to be inevitable that he finds himself as a nominee at some point. Well, I want my five to be their five, so we're going to keep <laughs> yelling about it. And I know we talk about a lot of these categories, like, you know, from a self-absorbed perspective, because we are... What no. We are. Oh, we're not, not the pundits that uh, the other pundits are. We don't go with the. We we're trying to push what we think are the best. We study these films like crazy. I watched this movie five freaking times, so I'm I'm ready. I th- I just think this stacks up. I think his performance yeah. is excellent. Anyway, let's talk about the likely noms first, and then we'll talk about some other possibilities. I think Mike likely noms in terms of the horse race aspect of it all. I think this is a best picture, no question. I hope so. I, I could see it not. I could see it uh, falling short because of Subject? Chadwick not making oh, the okay. field. Oh, really? I mean, if you're gonna, well, if you're gonna have look, if you nominate Chadwick in this, if you nominate Viola, if you're gonna have Best Actress, Best Actor, and like three technicals, yeah, you, I think you have to keep this nominated for Best Picture. If the only above the line nomination is Viola, eh, I could see it falling short. I think Chadwick's a shoo-in. I think he's a likely nomination. But, you know, we'll see. I, I agree. I think he should be. Absolutely. Well, we'll finish that thought in spoilers yeah. in a second. Lead actress I have as a likely nomination. Adapted screenplay. I thought he did a wonderful job. Uh, Ruben Santiago Hudson there. And then costumes, makeup, and hair. are the yeah. two. Those are the two production values that I think are pretty secure right now. This should win costume because Dolomite didn't in just that the suits in both those movies and the actual costumes are so... I don't know where you get them in modern day. Mm-hmm. And they look so good on screen. And they're just so vibrant and just crucial to the scenes themselves. Right. I, I mean, we were outraged when Dolomite didn't win the Oscar for that because it just seemed so obvious to us that those costumes were so bizarre looking and so fit the theme and the time that the movie was in. I can make the exact same argument for what's going on in this movie with mm-hmm. us again. You got the mostly white branch probably steeped in the history of mostly white movies. So they they don't have the same historic appreciation. (laughs) Like, I don't know. They don't watch the uh, making of stuff. Yeah, I would agree. I think the uh, I think the costumes are incredible here and I I hope it does uh, get recognized now. Production design, like I said, I wonder if there's enough quantity of production design because it's pretty bare on purpose in the two main sets, like you said. 
uh, yeah. several times. So I, I, you know, all the montage, all the exteriors. I mean, it's it's tremendous. But is there enough production design to get it in? I think film editing should get pushed. Cinematography mm-hmm. should get pushed more, and they should be higher than they are right now. Seventh, thirteenth, thirteenth, or whatever that is. Uh, those are the three. I think if this is going to be taken seriously as a best picture contender, I think at least two of those that'll make the field in. Really? Uh, if it does, if it's not going to be taken seriously as a best picture contender, I can see it being shut out of all three. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Because we've seen like the Green Books and the Shape of Waters, not well. The Shape of Waters had like ten noms, but the Green Book didn't have the ten noms. It had more above the line. I don't know. This could be like a Green Book path for this one. Screenplay, actor, actress. You know, I don't know if it'll mm-hmm. get director even, but it, maybe a or production value or two. And editing, like I said, I thought they edited the shit out of this, and it really, it's really smooth. It really flows. You don't notice it that much. It still feels theatrical while being extremely cinematic. So I'm very impressed with the composition overall, and that speaks to George C. Wolf. So I wouldn't even be. I wouldn't even be upset if he got a director nom, even though I don't necessarily know uh, where people stand on him right now. He's more of a top 15 than a top 10 even, and certainly a top 5. So, put your money where your mouth is if you had to predict. I think we're saying, what, maybe 4 for sure, it looks like, or 4 or at least seem very likely, and and it should be more is what we're I have saying. an over-under of 6.5. Yeah. So, yeah. I if I'm projecting right now, I'm saying at least 6 you could talk me into a seventh all over the board. And I, yeah, I, I think I'm a little lower, but I'm, I'm right there too. I, I think I'm with you. I mean, I would like to see, I think it should, you know, if this is a double digit nom on nomination day, great. Right. I have no problem with that. Yeah. I think I'm with you. Anyway, we both say watch. Uh, let's get into yeah. spoilers. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. This is the spoiler section for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the Oscar sprint profile brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on us. Go check it out on Netflix. We'll be here waiting for you to come back and hit play when you're done. If you've seen the movie already, or you're just curious to hear our thoughts, or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much in the non-spoiler section that you have to hear what's going on, this is where you want to be. All spoilers from this point all out from this point on out for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. So... The ending of this film has to be our immediate character uh, carryover, Mike, because it is kind of the finishing touches on this Oscar lens. Because you have a theory about Chadwick Boseman's posthumous chances this year. I always wear my tinfoil hat when it comes to the Oscars, and it's part of the fun of doing it. And sometimes I'm spot on, and sometimes I pick The Incredibles 2 to upset Spider-Man, uh, whatever that one was <laughs> that obviously work, was no. going to win. Right? You were so uh, fantastically wrong. Thanks for reminding me that. I just smiled because I was in the opposite side, and I get to humble brag. Thank you. You're welcome. Anything for you, bud. So the New York Film Critics Circle had their awards a couple days ago going into this past weekend. And Chadwick ended up winning for supporting actor for The Five Bloods. 
And Lindo won the lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lindo won lead there. I think Chadwick Boseman's getting an Oscar regardless this year. And it should be, like I said in the non spoilers section, I think it should be best actor for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I agree. At least thus far in the season from everything I've seen. So far, I would agree with you. Yes. Yeah, I just wonder if there's going to be this push. Because if you talk about everything Chadwick's done this year, obviously the Five Bloods is not where you think his Oscar performance would be. He's not on the scene for all that much. But the Chadwick of the Five Bloods, it's much more reminiscent on how we all remember Chadwick the man than the Chadwick of Ma Rainey's because of what Chadwick's character, the Levy character, does at the end of this movie. And he kind of does as this long-term downward spiral throughout the entirety of Ma Rainey's. And I just wonder if that's going to be held against not Chadwick Boseman, but just we don't want to remember him for that. We want to remember him. He's basically playing T'Challa again in The Five Bloods. And it's so that's going to be so inextricably linked to who he was, that character of T'Challa, that I can absolutely see the Academy the acting branch nominating him for to five bloods, giving him his Oscar for to five bloods off the back of how good he was in this movie. It's just that they don't want to vote him in for this movie. It's easier to give him the supporting posthumous Oscar, say he was great this year all around, and remember how good he was in the five bloods, remember what a leader he was, remember how how heartfelt he was and how he was a leader of men and everybody looked up to him. Instead of saying, let's give him the posthumous Oscar for lead category for this backstabbing literally and figuratively character yeah it's a tragedy character who's in this spiral again i could just say this is a tragic character it is as complex a character that as we've seen in a long time it is a character that is proven wrong and right almost like every single one of these characters are throughout this movie which is a tribute to august wilson's brilliant play i mean it's amazing how levy is that self-fulfilling prophecy, which is just, like, like I said, there's no other word than tragic, but he's also correct in his, you know, how he reads the situation, and it's just this statement of anguish on his part that he lashes out against Toledo in that moment. Uh, but you're right, you wonder if, you wonder if... He's mentally ill, too. Clearly mentally ill. Yeah, and it's building up to that point. I mean, it's yeah. clearly... Uh, Whatever it is at this point, I mean, we know for a fact that he is on edge heading into right. that scene. I mean, he's he's got a knife to Coleman Domingo's character of Cutler. Right. Exactly. In, in the previous scene and in the scene before that, he's he's screaming, you know, he's motherfucking the heavens, right? Mm-hmm. It is just a character who is unhinged. I mean, this character has lost it. I can't believe he held it together on stage as long as he did and didn't get fired sooner. And it was the least surprising scene of the year when Ma actually fires him in the previous sequence, right? So, Which is a scene I actually have a problem with. But yeah, keep going. I I get that why we go to 11 with his character. And on first watch, I was a little critical of, of the 11, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I after rewatching it a bunch... It does progress, and it is well-written. I almost wonder if, in movies like this, we're a little unaccustomed to seeing a drama play out this way over 90 minutes. We, we're used Quick, to it right, in a two-hour right, and 15-minute right. movie more so than this. And that's where the exposition dumps come into play. That's why they were necessary, even though they do seem a little forced. I agree. Anyway, to get back to your theory, though, I would be angry if that's how it plays out, because... So would I. I think this performance is 
Oscar worthy, like you said. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I have my rankings as anybody does. I haven't seen Anthony Hopkins yet. I think. Well, that's the other part of it, right? But Chadwick's on the level of the other performances, and if they're even, give it to Chadwick because I don't think it's just good intentions in this scenario. I mean, he's on that top tier. And you don't have another chance to award this man. This right. is the chance. This is the moment. This could be the tribute. And right. I, as much as I enjoyed his character in The Five Bloods, that is a very small performance. Mm-hmm. He haunts that movie, literally. That is a performance that is more one note, unfortunately, because yep. it's it's it just has the role in well, that that's screenplay. what it calls for. Right. That's That's what that performance calls for. Yeah. Can you make the stretch that it's Oscar worthy? I don't know. We'd have to study it again. I remember seeing that movie the the once or the twice we did in, back in the spring. I'm very curious to rewatch The Five Bloods and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. All these movies that uh, are in our rear view, Mike, and 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 stack them up with these other movies. That's why we got we basically got two months where we can do that with right. our Oscar programming. That's why our programming is a lot of fun. But right now, I, I would say that. Chadwick's performance in The Five Bloods is not necessarily on that tier of 20 guys, unfortunately. No, no, I I agree, but I could also see very, and I I think this might have been part of what happened uh, in the New York film circle, but look, New York critics are always their own animal, Mm -hmm. for one. Mm -hmm. This could all be bluster and all be meaningless and lead to nothing, and it could just be Chadwick going against Anthony Hopkins in the lead actor category. But I do think, talking about how many chances we have to honor Chadwick, I could absolutely see the narrative as well as how do we honor Chadwick Boseman and this performance by Anthony Hopkins. And the next honorable performance probably comes from, the next best honorable actor performance probably comes from the lead category over the, the muddle of really strong, but I wouldn't say anybody's running away with supporting actor right now. I mean, there's a ton and, of strong performances, right. but none of them really distinguish themselves as, as that must win or that and if, runner up must win, you know? If we leave the Oscar stage with Anthony Hopkins and Chadwick Boseman being the two acting winners, nobody's going to be upset. Nobody's going to be upset. Upset. And I, I agree with you. And I get the gaming of the system. Maybe I'm cynical in that regard. And you're very cynical for coming up with it. Or you're very cynical well, I, to point yeah, it out. I, mean, I yeah. just, I'm just, I'm just, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I wouldn't put my money on okay. it. But I can see the narrative. I mean, we like you just said, we have two full extra months here where people have to talk themselves into voting for something. I can see the narrative shaping that way. We want to honor Anthony and we want to honor Chadwick and we don't want to remember Chadwick's winning his only Oscar as this character. It's much easier to take him as being T'Challa because we all remember him as T'Challa anyway. So let's give it to him. For- I mean, there's just, it's such an easy narrative to, to talk yourself into, I think, because it makes you as a voter feel good. Yeah, I... Uh... I could see it. I hope it doesn't happen. I feel like it's a temptation. But at the end of the day, Anthony Hopkins has his Oscar, so I don't necessarily know if the imperative is there. I know he's, you know, he's old. Obviously, he's an old guy, but he's never going to die. He's living for 30 more years and 30 more great performances, and he needs to be the narrator. It's been. It's been 30 years since he won that one Oscar, wasn't though, too. I mean, it's been a long time. Wasn't he dancing on TikTok not too long ago or Twitter there? <laughs> he does it on Twitter, yeah. I love, I love Anthony Hopkins. And <laughs> He's great. I can't wait to dive into his performance and study it in The Father. But Same. 
Yeah, I, I think Chadwick's hard to beat there. And if I wouldn't get cute if I'm the academy. And if they're they're trying to figure out how to do both, I wouldn't get cute. I mean, we we have screwed up as an academy. I'd say we <laughs> for some uh, ridiculous reason. Us and Laura Dern have screwed up so many things <laughs> that were much less high stakes than this let's just let's just do make the obvious decision here give chadwick the lead actor please and it's it's a lot more fun to pick between anthony hopkins and chadwick boseman i mean that's 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 a fun conversation to have but again it makes me feel bad if i don't pick chadwick boseman so i'd want to i could again it's just such an easy narrative to slip into okay okay moving on let's talk plot lines a little bit here structure of the movie i have to reiterate that I think this is one of the strongest act ones of the year, maybe of the last few years. That musical opening, the history montage, then the two best setup introductory sequences and scenes I've have ever had the pleasure to study in an OSP like this in a long while, Mike. I mean, when we meet Ma Rainey from the hotel and that traveling to the recording studio sequence mm-hmm. where you see all the scowls, most likely from the people there disapproving of her sexual orientation, the glares that she returns. I mean, she meets every eye she can. The defiance Mm -hmm. that she has there, building up, being the antecedent to the confrontation she has in the street, ultimately with that short cop. I love that he's so short. (laughs) And that moment where she flexes, and then that moment where Irvin pays the guy off, and that moment where she knows she's got to get Irvin on her side to do that because it's such a rigged system, it's such a disaster with what that cop is, what that cop is implying that wasn't her car. My God, that sequence! And then the smiles of Chadwick coming in with the new shoes. But these these guys are laughing and joking, but they're also just insulting each other. (laughs) It's more than ball breaking. You know, we've been. We've been around a plenty of uh, whatever. I don't want to use the term guy. Fucking the president ruined everything. Guy talk. It's not <laughs> not guy talk. That's not guy talk. But we've broken our share of balls in our lives in a room full of guys, right? I mean, we. That's how we talk sometimes. Yeah. But that's more. That's more than that. When he's calling him a fool, like he means it, Cutler. Well, sure. But I also took that as anytime an older person is speaking to a younger person like that, there's going to, like, it's a chance for a life lesson, right. too. And I don't think, like, they weren't friends. It was kind of like a, a parental-type thing. And when you're being a parental figure, you're going to cut a little deeper. You're going to be a little harsher because you want the best for, for the younger person. You're trying to show them a, a life experience-type thing. And Cutler... And obviously, Levy's resistant Cutler to that. Cutler proves you right. Cutler proves you right when he sat down with Ma Rainey and Ma's like, we got to fire him when we get to Memphis. Levy yeah. needs to be fired when we get to Memphis. And Cutler goes to bat for Levy before he ultimately has to back down. But he does go to bat for Levy. He's like, this guy is a brilliant musician. He wants to collaborate with you. He knows how to write music. Maybe you should take his advice in certain areas. And she talks him down, of course, because she's, you know, she's got that power in this movie. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I I think that's that scene is fascinating because it, it comes in with uh, Glenn Terman. He's like continuing the argument that he must have had with Levy previously about mm-hmm. it's 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 incredible how this is written. I I'm so in awe of August Wilson. No wonder he won the Tony and the, the Pulitzers and 
well, what a what a playwright! And between this and fences, let's let's adapt all of his other screen, uh, plays. Please. I'm, I'm down with that. Absolutely, I'm a down. I'm down for anything that's not a musical being adapted from the stage to screen. So, but those are the first like three sequences in this film. It's just incredible. The music stuff, then Ma Rainey introduced, then the 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 band and their rehearsal room there, and that that's your act two set is is ready to fly from there, and it only gets even you know more contentious between everybody and that's kind of the beauty of a theatrical play you know that it's going to be a word battle a word fight these dramas on the stage are gonna you know knives are going to be out not literally uh until the end but it certainly uh through through what they're saying to each other and these guys it escalates but it doesn't escalate quickly it does escalate <laughs> gradually somehow mm-hmm. because of the, the 11 that it reaches at the end i'm shocked that this movie makes me believe it. Because I figured this was going to be, I referenced it a couple episodes ago with you, like, was this going to be Parasite, without spoiling Parasite, for you, where you you thought it kind of, you didn't agree with the cause and effect of Parasite. But here, I mean, you get why things happen. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah, it's established. And that's part of the problem I had with the Parasite ending is that what they established to me, they do a complete 180 from. And it made no sense to me, but neither here nor there. They're establishing that Levy is very unhinged and he's getting sicker in the head. And it's a combination of his what he comes in with his own problems mentally, plus his backstory, plus the ball breaking that he doesn't see as as coded in love or doesn't have a heart to it he sees it just strictly as another you know old people trying to keep a young guy down and and, and there's the i thought it was established very well to get to that point now levy's first exposition dump i thought was rushed and that's kind of the thing i alluded to in the non-spoiler section where he's talking about the story uh why he's seems like he's so willing to appease the white man even though he's not in actuality and the reason he seems like he is is because he knows he's playing the game and he has to manipulate them and he's thinking of his mother when doing so and all the tragedy she suffered at the hands of you know eight or nine white guys and talking about how his father hunted them down and was able to kill four of them chadwick's great in that scene the story is very harrowing i just thought it was rushed getting into that point i mean you're you break into a monologue and this soliloquy right away after almost nothing i mean off a joke pretty much another ball busting joke and he kind of goes right to it so i thought the setup was a little rushed but again i mean it's it's great in its delivery the thing about that scene that bothered me the most upon first blush was that i guess this is a small worst i think if my coworker, you know if, if we were in you know i've had big arguments with co-workers obviously not to this extent but i think if my co-worker leveled something like that on my head in a in a big big soliloquy i would walk around on eggshells with that co-worker well, for that's, a week never mind it's for that reason it's for that exact reason mike because so would i that exact reason i'm shocked nobody steps up when ma rainey fires levy like, you just went well, through this, and worse, Levy was just brandishing a knife against Coleman Domingo in a latter scene, and somebody's got to say, hey, this isn't a good day to fire him. Well, to get his back, well, I think at that point, they're almost like, get rid of this guy. He's he's out of control, and he was. Okay, but how do you, I mean, he ju- literally was just threatening one of your band members with a knife. Maybe it's, maybe, wait a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> just out of self-preservation. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, this... This is a fight for survival everybody is having uh, in this world right now, in this exploited music industry. Sure, and this, right. 
in this, you know, walking you around eggshells around Ma all the time. Cause, for fear of being left beside. Yeah, but yeah, Ma could that. fire you any moment. These, these white assholes could give you a check, and then, you know, you can go down the street and go into the wrong bodega, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you're in, mm-hmm. you're in a Good world point. of hurt, potentially. I, it's just one of those... I mean, there's danger around every single corner here in Chicago in 1927. It's it's terrifying when you think about it. I don't know how people got through it. And uh, the fact that we only get a glimpse in this movie is, I guess, you know, just how out of touch I am or you are but as white guys who, you know, of course, yeah, if our we could say that if our, you know, co-worker <laughs> told us a sad story about themselves, we would act differently but these guys are you know in this moment of their career i mean this is a 25 dollar day for them which is as we we can reference based on you know what else they were making and the fact that you know he made four dollars and they might make only i think i think they said it at some point eleven dollars a week or the, the shoes were eleven dollars they only but somebody said the shoes cost a week's pay well they made 25 dollars in one day so this is a big day for them they're trying to preserve that, I guess, you know, to go along the lines of what you're saying there, too. I mean, we do understand that there's things in this movie. We're coming from it with our perspective and there's things we'll never be able to. Never. Relate to. Yeah, we, we understand that, that we don't fucking understand. <laughs> right. Exactly. So and I think that's important to underscore. But yeah, I, I just I don't know. To me, if you're getting your uh, it's a tough it's tough. It's tough. You, you bring up a lot of good points. I would probably just leave the recording session if I'm being threatened with a knife by one of my coworkers at some point anyway. Right. So maybe Coleman Domingo is just cooler than I am under pressure. Cooler under pressure. He's had that life that we, yeah, we've never right. shared. Or, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe we're just as viewers, we're unaccustomed to a 90 minute drama doing this because it just mm-hmm. it, it isn't able to be done. Like that's the, again, a testament to August Wilson, a testament to everybody involved here that they're still able to pull it off because I do still think it is pulled off. I mean, it does ratchet up in these scenes Mm -hmm. and maybe you do need the volume turned up that loud with the performance to secure the landing, uh, the, where this movie goes. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's almost a necessary evil that the scene goes on a little too long or that the scene goes a little faster and, and is louder earlier. You know, again, I understand why they're doing it structurally to, to have for it to have the impact on the audience to where we believe it's it's not uh, it's not melodramatic to get the stabbing at the end. Right. And in leading up to the stabbing, I mean, this is where Chadwick makes his money, too, with this film and why we think he's so I mean. The soliloquies he does do, I think, are some of the best that he's ever done in his career. Right. Especially the second one when he's talking about uh, where was God when my mother was screaming out for you when he's about to go after Coleman Domingo with the knife. Excellent. I mean, Unbelievable. It's Cutler with the knife. It's, it's it's so good. It's it's so so good and captivating. Uh, Chadwick definitely earns at least a nomination. And it's like you know, it's all the high notes. It's not one note. It's all mm-hmm. the high notes. That's why again. I, I, you know, I criticize the, the scene a little bit as going that loud that quick. But at the right. same time, at the same time, he's hitting those loud notes. I mean, he's crinkling his face. He's looking away. I mean, he's doing a hundred different things in those scenes, right. which is why it's, you know, let, let's 
if you're gonna grab for an Oscar, do it like this. It'd be great. Be just be, <laughs> you know, great the whole time. And I'm with it. I'm absolutely with this performance being Oscar worthy. And you know, if it's done by somebody else, let's just say, if it's done by somebody else that that can't hit those notes, this movie right. is in trouble. Right. Agree. I mean, that's kind of the mark of whether something is valuable, whether a performance is valuable, whether a player in any sport is valuable. You know, you replace them and see by, with somebody who's average. And, yeah, you're not going to believe it. I, I absolutely agree. So, Mike, I kind of didn't list all my best scenes in this movie because I can literally go through every single one of them and say, you know, this is a great scene, this is a great scene. This movie is filled with great scenes. I think we're going to come back to this movie and enjoy it. Yeah, I'm, this, I'm the same way. And we've already talked about a lot of a lot of mine have to do with Chadwick yep. and a lot of mine have to do with delivery. I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my great best scenes too was the way Viola Davis drinks a Coke. I, I love that scene. <laughs> um, I do have a question about the Dusty May character, though. Right. What is her relationship with Levy? Did they just meet that day, or am I missing something? They show them sharing a glance in the opening sequence, at the end of the opening sequence, at the city uh, performance, right? Where? Okay. Yeah. Where Chadwick, and she's kind of, you know, off the side of the stage, and Chadwick's playing the trumpet, and he seems like he's playing the trumpet for her. And I don't know if Ma, again, I love that sequence so much, because Chadwick goes for the solo, and Mom Ma shouts him down. Hey, Daddy. Yeah, literally and figuratively fighting for the spotlight right off the bat. spotlight on me. That's just so economical. It's perfect. I, I love that so much. Anyway, that character bothers me so much, because it's, like, morally wrong that she's so so young and that this is going on but who is she like just just well she's like i don't for the the lack of a better word she's like a groupie but you know it could be a may december thing it could whatever but a groupie from ma right from ma she's ma's girlfriend and that's right that's what i thought and there's obviously nothing wrong with that just their relate their dynamic is that she's this catty little girl daughter type and ma's this you know in control of every aspect of her to the point where she bosses her around say stand over there out of the way i mean it's un it looks like an unhealthy relationship and we've seen a thousand male characters have this relationship with a thousand young girls in movies before and obviously if we're if we're not shouting those out for the same kind of issues then we're we're assholes and we're idiots but i think you know you and i have to for the most part but still but when when Dusty and and Levy start having sex on the piano, yeah. like that is, did I miss something? That comes from out of nowhere, right? Yeah, it, well, it's not out of yeah. No- there's well, the, the, the visual saying, flirtation. It's not out of nowhere because she and Chadwick lock eyes earlier. She and Chadwick lock eyes later. It's it's built up a little bit. She keeps getting mad. Ma gets mad that Chadwick is staring at her. Yeah. All right. All so right. The, the, I did. I forgot that. I forgot that part. Right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I get what you're saying, but there's yeah. just enough. There's just again, this movie, it does just enough at some uh, for some to set up some big moments. It's very economical and efficient. I, I can't believe it. I mean, that's how yeah. well written it is. That's why adapted yeah. screenplay has got to happen for it. I'm very impressed. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I really had one more worse scene. But I kind of well, I kind of went over it already. But it's and it, it's well, that's it. I know I kind of went over all my worst scenes too. I was just gonna say the scene where Ma is kind of on Dusty May's back there. It's just again, it's not a bad scene. It shows us you know, a rounded character and 
It's in the favorite. It's in Phantom Thread. It's in the crown. I mean, we've seen these relationships built on poor power dynamics, unhealthy power dynamics between boss and and, and star and groupie. I mean, we've seen it a hundred thousand times, and it's always right. wrong. But it's just it's it's not a bad scene. It just shows us what was, what is. Very good movie. Do mm-hmm. you want to get into final grades? Do yeah. you want to kind of wrap it up here? We're both very high on this. I'm ready. I I, I went in like a low B plus, right, to my rewatches. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, of course this is really strong. But I kind of thought, I was like, man, they hit some loud notes, and maybe they they didn't earn them. Well, I, I think they did earn them, and I'm going to raise my grade. And this feels on a top tier, like a top tier movie of this year so far. But, you know, all my top tier movies are the same grade. B plus 89, which makes this Oscar race very interesting, if not almost even right now. So if you told me that Ma Rainey wound up, wound up winning more than we expect at this moment, I don't begrudge it at all. I think it's right up there with uh, with Nomadland, right up there with Chicago 7 in terms of what I've seen thus far and what everybody's predicting. One Night in Miami is probably on the same level too. So I, I don't know I don't know where this race is going to go, but I, I do think it's open. That's why I get frustrated like people saying the Chicago 7's got to win because Chicago 7 feels like all the other Best Picture winners. No, I mean, this movie is doing something more unique than Chicago 7. Oh, no question. I mean, the fact that no you're question. executing uh, an adaptation like this, I, it's just, it, it, this movie is, is so cool. It's it, it, it gives you, it delivers goods that just aren't delivered in a lot of films nowadays. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I'm going to raise my grade, uh, too. I was uh, 85, hard, hard B. Right. I mean, B all day. I'll be on the verge of a B-plus here with it, given that three-point curve, 86, 87. Seems to make a lot of sense. It does. I mean, I was lukewarm on the screenplay. I think you're selling me on it a bit. Uh, so I, I'm starting to come around to that as well. I'm hoping this gets the, the due it, we think it deserves come Oscars time, though, especially in, in this year. So, uh, fingers crossed from that, but most importantly, as always, dear listener, is what did you think of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and what do you think of its Oscars chances? We want to know from you, as always, and you can also talk to us about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially the Apple Podcast app. And if you happen to be listening to us on that app right now, if you would be so kind as to click on our cartoon faces or tap on them, I guess, <laughs> uh, and give us a five star review, that would be awesome and make our entire day. They truly help us out a ton michael what are some words of wisdom to end on as we head off into uh, christmas here and what is coming next from mmo well the words of wisdom are simple just do stay safe safe and healthy uh through your holidays everybody yes, I, I wish you guys a fun time but maybe if it has to be more virtual this year so be it uh, let's not compromise our immune systems let's not, not spread the virus anymore and whatever you got to do you know uh let's do it let's just get through mm-hmm. it we, hopefully this vaccine continues to be successful. We'll hope and pray that, and we'll move on and hopefully move forward. <laughs> please. Yeah, anyway, please. what's coming next, you know, to uh, combat all of the sorrow of the real world, we'll do another Christmas episode, and I think we're going to do a Christmas at the Oscars episode. And what does that mean? I think we're going to talk about all of the Christmas movies nominated for Academy Awards and give you guys a full card of kind of our picks, because I did do the research and uh, – 
it's nominated you get nominations throughout the oscar card so we can highlight a lot of that history a lot of our favorites in terms of oscar nominations oscar winners from christmas movies that'll be our next episode michael otherwise we got oscar race checkpoints coming and we got a lot of mm-hmm. oscar sprint profiles like this one one night in miami soul promising young woman news of the world maybe wonder woman certainly pieces of a woman a lot of woman a lot of women movies which is great (laughs) thank you finally (laughs) and uh pieces of a woman's another strong one from netflix that we were really uh yes appreciative to get an early look at so a lot of movies a lot of work to do gotham's will kick off award season on january 11th a lot going on mike and i'll be in a wheelchair at some point so i can turn into a foley uh, fleshed out curmudgeon i need you to be haunted by three spirits at some point (laughs) Three spirits in the middle of one of these nights coming up. I don't know. Maybe next Friday. Maybe next the, Thursday into Friday. The ghost of Robert De Niro, the ghost of young Robert De Niro, and the ghost of bad grandpa Robert De Niro. Yeah, no, you Those got, will be my three ghosts. <laughs> you're going through a lot uh, physically. And, yeah, that, Robert De Niro, Yeah, did you listen to that big picture pod? You blew it from Copland, the Robert De Niro <laughs> no, voice. I no. hope he's not. Be... I love Copland, though. We love should do too. a whole. We could do a series on Copland. I think that's a great movie. I agree, uh, but I hope Robert De Niro is not your ghost. Maybe if he's your Jacob Marley, I'll go with it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when reality sucks, you too can be haunted by Robert De Niro with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.